Boy, I I don't think John's going to have very many funnies to choose from. Oh, man. (laughs) (laughs) I cried. (laughs) Welcome to Book Talk Etc., a podcast bound to grow your TBR. I'm Tina from TBR Etc. And I'm Renee from It's Book Talk. This is a conversational podcast about books and more from two Midwest mood readers who are easily distracted by new releases. Today, we're sharing our dark book club picks. We'll share something that we've been loving lately, review our latest read, and have book talk about books we think would make great dark book club discussion picks. We'll wrap things up with our shelf edition. We're a new podcast, so if you like what you hear, we'd love for you to follow us on iTunes or wherever you listen to your podcasts. And if you have a quick minute, please consider leaving us a review. It helps us find our perfect listening audience. Hey, Tina. Hi, Renee. How are you? I'm good. I'm so excited Mm -hmm. to talk about my books today. I know. I feel like you've been teasing me all week. I have been. Along with these books, which I've actually read all in this week. Oh, wow. So I'm, I know that never happens. You've been on a roll. I have been on a roll and I am getting really like in the mood for shifting my reading drastically. Mm-hmm. Well, not drastically. I'll still be in mysteries and thrillers, <laughs> but I have some like new books I'm adding to my list outside okay. of my normal comfort zone. And I'm is excited it a, about that. Are they different genres or are yes. they? Okay, I see. Do you want me to tell you what I what one of them sure. was that I picked up at the library yesterday? Yeah. And then if our listeners would li- like to tell me if this is going to be up my alley, <laughs> okay, I picked up Lore. Mm-hmm. Have you heard of that by yes. Alexandra Bracken? And that's YA, right? That's YA. Yeah. What made you grab this? Because I am still trying to get a hold of the upcoming book by Stephanie Garber mm-hmm. that I had, Once Upon a Broken Heart. I see. And I'm just about ready to pre-order it if I cannot get an advanced copy. <laughs> and I, it made me, okay, so I went on Amazon. That's what happened. And, mm-hmm. and they gave me that kind of like... Other people also bought, and Lore was there. So I clicked on that and read the synopsis. I'm like, well, that kind of sounds totally out of my wheelhouse and Mm -hmm. also kind of good. So I grabbed it at the library. It's so fun, though, to pick up books that might be outside of your wheelhouse because maybe Mm -hmm. you just don't know that they are actually in your wheelhouse. Like you're making your wheelhouse bigger. I know. And I don't know why I feel like doing this in the fall and winter. Mm -hmm. Do you do that? Do you change your reading preferences? I do. I do. So for me, May is when I'm like, I'm going to read all mystery and thrillers this summer. It is on, baby. I don't know why. (laughs) And then when the fall comes around, I'm like, okay, I want something literary. I want the big fall releases that I've been having my eye on. But then I also want backlist. And so I, on my Instagram recently... (laughs) Shared the ebooks that I have checked out from the library. And there are like probably 20 ebooks that I have. 
Renee, when I tell you people were judging me so hard, I was oh, laughing. No. What not were they in, saying? It was just funny. Not in a bad way. It was just like, girl, do you think you like read full time? <laughs> and I was like, I mean, I have aspirations too. What happened was all of my e-holds come in at the same time. And after a while, I get sick of the deliver later, deliver later, mm-hmm. deliver later. So I'm like, you know what? Let me borrow it. And maybe that'll like be the fire underneath me. I need to read it. Now, a lot of these do expire. I don't always get to them, but I'm not a reader that worries about that. Like, I don't have any anxiety if I bring books back upon their due date without reading them because I can get them again. Mm-hmm. I'm the same. And when I saw your Libby, <laughs> that's, <laughs> you that's like mine. I, I have reached my limit. Yeah. Oh, and yeah. I think that they've upped how many you can check out because I have a lot. Mm-hmm. But to me, it's, it's like an ongoing merry-go-round because I never quite know what I'm in the mood for. And I, so I'll check it out instead of delivering later Mm -hmm. because just in case I might decide that that's the one. Exactly. I'm the same. If if it expires, Mm -hmm. other people are like waiting on it. I'm like, eh, that's fine. I'll just put it back on my list. Exactly. If I don't, if I don't get to it. Yeah. And what I do, at least in my Libby, I'm sure others have it, you can put a tag on it. So I will tag Mm -hmm. a book with the little book stack or whatever. And just that reminds me, okay, this is something you want to read. Get back to it at a different point in time if you haven't read it. And then another thing I found out by sharing this is that my library has a lot. It has a wide, high threshold for the number of books you can borrow. I think I can borrow 20. And I actually Mm -hmm. do have two library cards one out of Chicago Public Library and then one in the suburban system. And we're so lucky here. The suburban system is massive. I could visit like 35 different libraries and still take books out. So it's really, really excellent. And I was quickly realized that some people were like, mine only has five. And I felt really sad. I'm like, oh, oh. gosh, it's like a, an inadvertent humble brag. You're right. And Columbus is, is the mm-hmm. same. It's right. a gigantic library system. So we are really lucky I went to two libraries yesterday. Oh, you did? And it was, I just like, it's like Christmas because I'm like, oh, that's a new release. I've been Uh wanting to read it. And then I just, and then you just get to take it for free. Mm -hmm. It's It's it's, amazing. It's my favorite place. It (laughs) remains my favorite place from when I was a kid. Are you going to share your library stack? I want to see. Sure. I'll put it on Instagram. It's shockingly embarrassing. Yesterday. It's gigantic. Yeah. <laughs> I went to two libraries. But here is what I was thinking. And I will I will give this to Meredith from Currently Reading because mm-hmm. this on her episode this week, she said, when in doubt, check it out. Yeah. Because part of me is like, uh, I'm probably not going to read all these. But then I was like, when in doubt, check it out. Mm-hmm. Because Because what, what if you do? What if you do? I never knew until she explained that really our libraries benefit from Mm -hmm. the checking out and the bringing back and all of that. So I will post it. Yes, I will post what I got yesterday. Do you ever feel bad about books you see sitting on the shelves? Like I do this once in a while and I'm like, oh, I really like this book and I can tell it's been sitting here a while. Maybe I'll just bring it up. Like this is insane. I I anthropomorphize the books. They are not real. They do not have feelings, but I'm like, well, maybe I want to bring this book home because it's been here a while, I think. <laughs> well, that's different. Sometimes I don't think of it. <laughs> I don't, that's I don't think yes. of it in that exact way, but sometimes I see a title like yesterday I did. Mm-hmm. And it was very bizarre, and I actually can't even remember it right now, but I'll put it in my – it's going to be in my stack. But I was like, 
I don't know why that has even gotten my attention, but there must be a reason. So I'm mm-hmm. just going to take it with me. Yes. <laughs> I don't even know what it was about. Your book intuition. Something about it. You saw something in the corner of your mind, flagged yes. it for whatever reason. So can I tell you another very strange happening? Yes. Okay. I was listening to one of my books for this week, yesterday, and the Vanderbilts, like, mm-hmm. remember that, like, just the Vanderbilts were mentioned, like, part of history. Mm-hmm. And I was like, oh, I've, I've actually always been meaning to read <laughs> about the Vanderbilts. Mm-hmm. I don't know. I mean, I've just always kind of been fascinated by that. So the second library I go to yesterday, I walk in and their staff pick display is up. And Mm -hmm. at the very top is the last castle, which is this gigantic castle-looking thing. Anyway, it's about the Biltmore, which is Mm -hmm. the Vanderbilts. Yep, exactly. Is that not crazy? It is. is. So I'm like, okay, I'd have to take that. You have to take it. Well, I have a a book that just came out by Anderson Cooper. We know who Anderson Cooper is, right? He's a commentator. But he has just written a book about his mom, who's Gloria Vanderbilt. And so I grabbed that on audio because it's kind of the same thing. I'm like, I, I, I've been to Rhode Island. I've seen the breakers. Like I have this peripheral knowledge of this family, but like I want details. I want to know more. So mm-hmm. maybe we'll have a little more Vanderbilt deep dive here in a little I bit. I know. I know. Okay. Wow. That, wow. Was, that was a fun. You just never know when you're going to get a tangent with you us. No, you don't know. But tell me about your loving lately. Okay. This week I am bringing an app and mm. it is called pronounce. Okay. And the, have you heard of it? No. Okay. Well, it's, I know it sounds odd, but I am using this all the time Mm -hmm. and it's a backwards E Mm -hmm. on the, in the app store. It's free. You can set your language in preferences and all you do is enter a word or a phrase and then click read or you can click read slowly. (laughs) which I usually click Uh when, especially now doing the podcast and I want to get authors' names correct. Mm -hmm. And hopefully most of the time I do, but it's important or places in the world. right. Mm -hmm. So I'm actually using this a lot. And if I'm not listening to an audiobook and I'm reading and I'm coming across a city or a person that I don't recognize, I like to put it in here because then while I'm reading, I then have it correct in my head. Mm-hmm. Does I, that make sense? Yes. And I love this. I'm, I did not know it was an app, but I am very big on Googling pronunciation. So if I come across somebody's name and I haven't said it yet, I'll like Google how to pronounce this word. And same thing. I want to hear it said because I think it's important to be accurate, especially with names and places. And I think you're right, too, with the podcast. I think more and Mm -hmm. more there are some words that I have only read or I haven't said in a very long time. And I'm like, wow, how do I say this word? So I'm glad you brought this. Yeah. And it's very convenient, too, because you can change your language. Like there's British English and American English. So as far as like English ones, so you Mm -hmm. can pick and you can also under preferences, it'll ask you, it'll give you instructions on how to enable high quality voices, which I don't know why we wouldn't want high quality voices, but there's a link that like you can, it'll tell you how to do that. Yeah. Instead of like the robotic loving lately. Yeah, that makes sense. I'm glad you brought this too, because sometimes when I'm Googling, it takes me to a YouTube 
video and like you have to wait for an ad sometimes. And I'm like, yeah, this is so fast. This is and that was pronounced. Perfect. Yeah. Easy. Simple and easy. What's yours? All right. So my loving lately is one of my all time favorite products. I use this weekly. It is my favorite top coat and it's called Listen and Glow Top Coat from the company Glisten and Glow. They are an indie brand. And I know that on this podcast, I've talked before about my obsession with doing my nails and I shared the Opal and June nail kit. I still really like them formula wise. I love the colors they have and I like their top coat, but I have to tell you that the Glisten and Glow is better. And it's like $7, so it's not terribly expensive. And I like that it's an indie brand. I have been using this for about six years. I it Here's what I like about it. It's very thick. And if I make a mistake on my nails, it doesn't matter because I'll just paint the top coat over it and it literally corrects almost any mistake. Oh, It makes it look like gel. It is super shiny. And what I love is that it dries very quickly. So I can't sit still. So having to sit still for a while is tough for me. And I found that the Opal and June one is a little tacky and you have to wait a while before it really sets in. However, and this is the most extra thing ever, but I am who I am. I'll paint my nails. I like the first top coat to be Opal and June because theirs is long lasting. It really is. And then I top it with Glisten and Glow. That's right. Two top coats, baby. Whoa. I know. And I just say. Did you say Opal? Uh, you know what? I've been saying Opal in June this entire time. What is it called? <laughs> <laughs> what is this company? Olive. Olive. Okay. <laughs> well, guys, I can tell you why. It's because of Opal and Nev. I read Opal and Nev, the book, <laughs> at the same time that I got the Olive and June oh. nail kit, and I cannot keep them straight in my mind. Okay. Thank you for correcting me on that. <laughs> Glisten and Glow, I did look up. That is the correct name. Of course, we will link it. And again, I have used this for many years. Everybody I've turned it on to likes it. And I like that they actually have a refill bottle that you can use to refill some of your other pots that you have with the top coat. So it saves you a little bit of cash. I highly recommend it. And I've tried a million top coats and this one is my favorite. This is from Glisten and Glow and it is their top coat. Okay. Love that. Yeah. That's too funny. I'm like, and like I in my notes. I wasn't sure if I, if I heard it correctly, mm-hmm. and then I wasn't sure if mm-hmm. I should say anything. So I'm glad in you case did. you want to say, oh, or I'll, now I'm going to say Opal. <laughs> in my notes, it says Opal in June too, because <laughs> I refuse to learn the correct name just because I conflate it with the title of Opal and Nev. But Oh, that's so funny. No, I think I'm going to have to get that because, well, I just got my Olive in June box yesterday. You did. It's so good. Yes, I haven't tried it yet. But if this top coat's better, I'm going to mm-hmm. have to get that. Well, you might have to do a double top coat situation like I do. Mm, okay. All right. I'm all for quick dry, too. Oh, so that's, that's the important. key. That is the that's key. That's important. Mm-hmm. Okay. That was, that's a good one. And also, you said a good price point, $7? Yeah, 7 bucks. That's and I great. think you have to pay for shipping, like, I don't know, $3.99 or something, but it's it's not crazy. But I love okay, this good. company. Ah, oh, awesome. Do you want to start with your latest read? I will. My latest read is a debut horror novel that came out in Japan in 2008, and it was translated into English in 2014, and it's Confessions by Kane Minato. This book has been on my list for a long time because I knew it was a story of revenge, and I picked it up 
in preparation for this week's episode because I thought it could be a good choice for Dark Book Club. It is definitely dark, and there is definitely a lot to talk about, but I do not think you could confidently make this a book club pick unless you knew that the members didn't mind a touch disturbing, because this is pretty dark. What you have is a single mother, and she is devastated when her only child drowns. And she drowns on the school grounds that she works at because the mother had to bring her there. There was an evening meeting, and she had no other options. So the little girl drowns. And she's telling this story to her class of students. She's resigning. She's leaving. But before she goes, she has one more story to tell. And what she's telling them is what she believes to be the true story. The police are calling it an accidental drowning, but she knows it wasn't an accident. She has evidence, and she knows who is responsible, and she plans to call them out in front of the class. She comes up with this very devious plan to exact revenge on them. This is a slow build. You're kind of getting your bearings, and I think it's worth mentioning that there's no quotation marks, so I can see you having a little bit of a hard time like really figuring out like where is this going. Give it 20%. I know 20% sounds like a lot, but there's only 240 pages in this book. So it's really not that bad because at that 20% point, things get great. The story takes place in a very short period of time. It's in the immediate aftermath of the drowning and then about five months later. And each chapter is told from the viewpoint of five different narrators. So you have the teacher herself, the class president, somebody's sister, and then both of the killers. The writing is really, really good. I couldn't believe it was a debut. There are some really well-written sentences. And I know sometimes, at least, you know, in horror, you're maybe not expecting it to be literary horror, but I think I would call this that. It really packs a punch. And like I said, it's a pretty short novel, but I thought it was creepy, unsettling, definitely a little bit demented. I mean, this is dark, guys. And the ending is very well done and I enjoyed it so much. It is a great story of revenge. It could be a great book to add to your spooky reading list this fall. This is Confessions by Kane Minato. I am definitely going to give that a try, and Mm -hmm. I think I told you I had it on my list, and I have no idea where it came from, somewhere on the internet, but the revenge aspect Mm -hmm. was, like, caught my attention. So I wonder if Sometimes the lack of quotation marks works good on audio. I wonder Mm -hmm. how this would be on audio. I was thinking that too. I think it might work well on audio because it's told where the narrators are talking to you, the reader. So you're kind of getting a flashback perspective on what happened. So if you do try this, I would love to hear how the audio is. Okay. I will let you know. All right. What's your latest read? My latest read is by an author, a new-to-me author, and I'm so glad I finally read his book. It is When Ghosts Come Home by Wiley Cash Mm -hmm. and comes out today. Wonderful. Timely. (laughs) (laughs) Very timely. This is a story of Winston, a 63-year-old African-American sheriff trying to do the best job he can at a time when racism and racial tensions, and crimes are high in his town of Oak Island, North Carolina. This story is set in 1984, and Winston wakes up in the middle of the night after he hears the roar of a low-flying airplane go by. 
So he heads out to the nearby airfield, and what he finds isn't what he expected. A plane has indeed crashed, but there's no pilot and no cargo. What he does find is the dead body of a local man who's been shot in the chest. So begins a murder investigation that will change the course of Winston's life and the fate of the community that he has sworn to protect. That's all that you absolutely need to know. Mm-hmm. And I did listen to this one. J.D. Jackson is the narrator. Oh, sign me up. He's so good. He's so good. He's so, so good. I just could picture Winston in my head. Now, this is what I would say is a character-driven Southern literary crime fiction book. All of it. Mm-hmm. It's really, really well done. The author slowly pulls the reader into this community by weaving compelling backstories of not only Winston, but also his daughter, Colleen, whose marriage is crumbling. Then there's the wife and nephew of the dead man. And then there are racial tensions that threaten and possibly do tear the town apart. All the while, there's also a mystery. You almost, I I almost forgot, like, oh yeah. I want to find out who killed him because I got so pulled into the, the stories of all these people. I was so invested in Winston and the other characters that I just, to try to solve the crime, so needless to say, I didn't, which was fine, I, I did not see it coming, the resolution. I love the fact that this was set in 1984, which mm-hmm. you know what that means. No cell phones. Right. No technology of any kind. So it was it was like a just a good old-fashioned mystery yeah. with great characters. And the ending liter- stopped me in my tracks, literally. Stopped I you was, in your tracks. I'm not lying. I'm not lying. I was walking Vinny, listening to this at the park, and the ending came, and I literally stopped and gasped. (laughs) And I had to like go back Mm -hmm. a few scenes to, and then I, I was just thinking, I didn't. That's not what happened. That is not what happened, and it was. And oh, okay, that's all you need to know. And yeah, I do think that this could definitely be a dark book club selection. But I wanted this was. This was my most recent latest read, and I loved it. And it was When Ghosts Come Home by Wiley Cash. This sounds incredible. I will definitely be listening to it. Okay. Oh, we're ready for book talk. We are ready for book talk. So as we're heading into fall, we wanted to bring some picks that are maybe a little bit darker. Now, these are books that I wouldn't necessarily recommend to a new book club or to a book club with a lot of sensitive readers because... There are dark themes in this, and they might not hit right for everybody. But for those of us that do like our books a little bit grittier, these books make for great discussion. Right. I agree. When we were being specific in our like dark book club versus maybe a regular book club, it's looking at these particular themes of what might create some uncomfortable discussions mm-hmm. or just what might make people think a little bit and kind of, I don't know, like not be so 
superficial, like sometimes yes. book club can be. And I, mm-hmm. then I, I have been in book clubs. I know it can be like that, but mm-hmm. these dark picks can ask questions that maybe you would only think while you're reading a book mm-hmm. and not necessarily always talk about. Right. But I don't know. What do you think when you think of dark book club? Absolutely. So for me, it's things that maybe on the surface, it seems easy to say, oh, okay, this person shot that person. This is the bad guy. But it allows the reader to unpack their feelings and think, why am I rooting for this person? They did something super bad. I should not be rooting for them. However, I understand them. And it, I think, causes the reader to want to go a little bit deeper some dark books are just for shock value and they're just fun, right? You know, mm-hmm. It by Stephen King. You've got Pennywise. Like, he's the bad guy. He's pure evil. And it's fun to see how he terrorizes this town and what the people do who live there. But the dark book club picks, at least the ones that I have, I had to sit with a bit. I can't say that I loved every moment of reading it. Sometimes I was uncomfortable, but boy, mm-hmm. did they make me think. And I would have loved all three of these to have someone to either text with while I was currently reading it or unpack with after the fact. That is exactly how I felt. Mm -hmm. I think sometimes when I think of, oh, book club books, they have to be issues books or they, you know, you're not going to pick a thriller for book club because what's there to unpack? And that might be true for some thrillers and some maybe popcorn thrillers. They Mm -hmm. may or may not be the best choice for a dark book club. But I think these books give the reader something a little bit that would, like we said before, make you uncomfortable, make you, you you may not have thought about these things before, but because you see it in text and if it's done well, the author gets you to empathize with the characters. It kind of maybe turns some opinions you thought were completely black and white into a more gray area. Right. And I am bringing a thriller today that is, that I think would be perfect Mm -hmm. as a dark book club pick. I picked it for this purpose, and I think reading it, I would have been able to pick out these particular themes, Mm -hmm. but I now am dying to talk with people about each one of these choices that I'm bringing, because you're right, once you start thinking a a little bit deeper, a little bit below the surface, Mm -hmm. a little bit, I don't know, to questions, whether it's for individuals or society, some of these themes. And I don't, they're just a little, sometimes shocking Mm -hmm. and sometimes just make you actually increase your empathy because you have to stop and put yourself in someone else's shoes Mm -hmm. for at least two, at least, well, I can, I don't know, probably all the picks I'm bringing. They're pretty, pretty deep Mm -hmm. thinking (laughs) questions that are going to come up. Yeah. Um, I don't know. What about you? Do you think So when we're talking about dark, were you thinking not gory, murder? Were you thinking more controversial, I guess? Mm -hmm. I think it can go either way for a dark book club. I I do have a couple that have murder in them. Mm -hmm. I have one that is more philosophical. It is more about humanity and more about what the evils that humans can bring upon themselves and ambiguity So I think these books, too, if you're bringing a dark pick to book club, you'll want to have somebody, whether it's you or somebody else in the group, who is 
open to moderating a discussion about it. And the questions will come. The themes will come. But I think mm-hmm. especially maybe more so than like a book everybody universally likes, you'll want someone to help unpack this conversation. And and these are still fun to read. I still really enjoyed all three of my picks. These are not mm-hmm. like heavy bummers that like, you know, make you not want to read and feel like a slog for at least, and I'm sure for yours as well. These were books that I enjoyed reading and I enjoyed that they made me take a step back. Mm-hmm. Same. I actually loved each one of mine. Mm-hmm. Probably five stars for wow. each one, actually. I think every book I'm bringing this week is five stars now that I'm saying it. Oh, that's exciting. And that, it has been, the, yeah, it's been the best week. But also, I don't know, at least for two of them, that they would have maybe crossed my path mm-hmm. if we didn't, if I wasn't specifically looking for dark, like like you said, philosophical or controversial topics mm-hmm. that I could like especially pull out from these types of books. And so I'm so glad that I read them for sure. Yes. Yes, exactly. And I had the same reaction. I walked away. I'm like, I'm going to remember this book. Like I will Mm -hmm. not forget the, the, all three of mine are very memorable. I don't really do stars, but (laughs) (laughs) I haven't really decided if they're five star or not because I don't care. Mine are like, okay, do I highly recommend this? Yes. You have to put your stars in on Goodreads, though, if you're going to put them on Goodreads. I don't have to. I can put no stars, but (laughs) don't get me on Star Talk. You know, I don't don't care for them. I know. Because I think it reduces it to the least common denominator. It's like, okay. You know, I love when you say five stars, though, because I know you now and I know your picks and I'm like, okay. That says something. I I'm stingy. You're stingy, and you you mm-hmm. care about stars. You care about not in a overly you know, well, yeah. But you you like to have that as how your brain works mm-hmm. and how you want to categorize your books. I don't like that. It mm-hmm. doesn't work for me as a reader. I want to know more nuance. I want to know more about what, like, why might I like it? Why might I not like it? So mm-hmm. that's mm-hmm. why I, I, I don't that. like to reduce it to just yeah, five stars or whatnot. Okay. That makes sense. So I think the bottom line is we really enjoyed our picks this week. Absolutely. And maybe if anyone out there uh, is in need of a book club pick for their fall and winter, give one of these a try. I I would be really curious Mm -hmm. to see and and to get a discussion going somewhere if anyone has already read Mm -hmm. anything that we're bringing. Because I I think I'll still want to talk about these books after we finish this episode today. And I think it's interesting because these, we all, well, all three of mine and yours, we read solo. So we don't know Mm -hmm. how it would hit with the group other than like what we see other readers. But so I would be super curious to know if any of these picks, if you chose them for your book club, if they worked, how well they worked. And we want to hear your picks as always. Yes, for sure. Well, should we get started? Let's do it. So for mine, I am going to go in order of lightest to darkest. Now, none of these are light, but I do think there is a gradient here. So first for me is a book that I'd recommend to a book club that wants dark but propulsive. This book is The Blinds by Adam Sternberg. A couple weeks ago, I said, I think it was last week, actually, I'm like, I'm going to shop my shelves. I'm just going to look at my shelves and see what calls to me. And this was the book that I pulled, and I loved it. Oh, okay. Yes, this book has one of the more unique premises that I've seen in a while. So you have this remote town in Texas, and it's full of people who do not remember their past. They are either criminals who were given a deal to get sent to this place as a part of their plea bargain, or 
they were witness to a horrible crime, sort of like a witness protection community. There are 40-some residents in this community, and once they get there, they cannot leave or else they are completely on their own. All of the provisions are brought into them. They're given housing. There are no children here except for one, and he's only there because his mom was pregnant while she was put into this community. So he's the only kid in this town. And the key is when the residents get here, they have their memories erased. So they don't know if they were criminals or if they had witnessed something, and they don't really know who they are. They have new names, and no one is allowed to talk about any identifying features of their past because they don't want to know. So they're given this clean slate and, you know, they're sent off to live in this town. Calvin Cooper is the town sheriff. And at first he's a pretty stereotypical character, but as we come to know him, we do find out that his story is more layered and I really grew to enjoy him as the book went on. He is the only one in town with a gun. So things get very interesting when two of the community members are killed by gunshot. The state sends some people in to investigate the deaths, and it begins to look like there might be an interloper in their tight-knit community. So this book felt a tiny bit dystopian, but is still firmly set in our world today. So I really enjoyed the think piece of that, like what happens if there was a place like this. And as you can imagine, this town is full of secrets. It's full of murder, mystery, and drama. And it made me question things like the ethics of using humans as subjects. Are we allowed to take away people's memories? If they are a criminal and committed these crimes, should they have the benefit of not remembering them? And it made me think on the U.S. criminal justice system as a whole. What I loved was that the author really let us get to know these characters and we were able to come see them as full people. So you do eventually get some of their backstory, how they got there, why. And I really enjoyed that because you know they're criminals and it could be easy to be like, yeah, these are unlikable characters, but like what got them to that point? I thought this was unsettling, but a very propulsive plot. And it is totally binge worthy. There is a fantastic final scene And I really enjoyed it. This is The Blinds by Adam Sternberg. Oh, that's been on my TBR, so I'm going to need to read that one. I listened to it, and I can't recall. I don't think I liked the audio, but I didn't care. One of those. Like, it was not, like, the the most well-narrated performance. That's a personal choice. I still am glad I listened to it because I literally raced through it in a day. Oh, I know. you. I noticed you said binge-worthy. Definitely binge-worthy. That is good. Well, I'm glad you vetted that for me. You are welcome. (laughs) (laughs) Tell me your first book. All right. My first one is another new release, and it is Assembly by Natasha Brown. And I had this on audio. I did not have a print copy of it. And I actually am really glad that I did. But I'll tell you, some Goodreads people felt differently. I'll tell you about that when I'm done. This is a very short book. And mm-hmm. I I chose this as a dark book club pick for a number of reasons. One of them, it's 112 pages. Wow. In print. Now, you know, especially if book clubs can tend to be like, not everybody wants to read a long book. This would be such a great book with so much to unpack in such a short amount of space. So I did listen. It is British narration, Mm -hmm. which I absolutely love. I did have to bump that down to about (laughs) 1.7. 
even doing that, I finished it in about two hours. Oh, wow. So this is quick. This is a quick listen. And what it's about is there is an unnamed narrator. And that didn't bother me at all. I actually had to go back to even see, like, I thought I knew her, her name, but I don't I don't think there was a name. Um, so the narrator is a Black British woman. She is preparing to attend a lavish garden party at her boyfriend's family estate in an English countryside. And at the same time, she is considering the carefully assembled pieces of herself. As the minutes tick down and the future beckons, she can't escape the question, is it time to take it all apart? Assembly is a story about the stories we live within, those of race and class, safety and freedom, winners and losers. It is about one woman daring to take control of her own story, even at the cost of her life. And that really pulled me in. Mm -hmm. And I was kind of, I went in with an open mind because that kind of intrigued me. And as soon as I started listening, I liked her. She narrates the whole thing and she tells you her story. And how she got from, like, I'm going to go, I'm going to do everything I'm supposed to do, mm-hmm. and I will be happy. I'm mm-hmm. going to go to college. I'm going to get a nice apartment. I'm going to get a job. I'm going to go to work. I'm going to follow all the rules, and I, I'll be happy. And things have happened, and that's not where she is. Yeah. And she tells this story from then to now, and then you kind of do get like her relationship with her boyfriend and his family. But then she'll go back and tell you more about her life. And I connect, I just connected so immediately with some of the feelings. And I think as women, especially whether you're a mom or not a mom, or just in life, there are times when you feel like she says in the book, she went to bed with dread. She woke up with dread. She felt dread. Like there are times when you just feel Mm -hmm. that and you start to realize things are not going your way. And this is that story. She touches on the themes of being a woman and being a woman of color in a male dominated world. Affirmative action, going through your life with this underlying feeling of despair and disconnection. And it sounds a little bit like doom and gloomy, but it wasn't. Mm -hmm. It was, she told, the story was told in such a way that I, I listened in two sittings in, or like two sittings, two car drives. Oh, wow. Yeah. Really quickly. I couldn't stop. I didn't like, I wanted to know what was going to happen, especially with that part about the cost of her own life. There's, that's something very particular. And there's a lot to unpack. There's no wasted words in this story. And I think all of those themes, you could pick any one of them as far as like a dark book club pick. I would like to know but what other people would think about what do you owe the people in your life? Mm-hmm. And that is in every way, shape or form covered as far as what she talks about here. That's all I'm going to say about it right now. That was Assembly by Natasha Brown. 
fabulous. I also have this on audio, so I will be listening to it very soon, and I will report back, and we can have a mini book club because that sounds fabulous. It's also nice sometimes to read a short book. I know that sounds maybe shallow, Mm -hmm. but once in a while, I'm like, just, yeah, I love when there's no wasted words, and you're just like, this is the story. I think that is such a skill. One that I doubt I would have <laughs> as an author. This was surprising because I, like I said, I connected with her. I liked her. And then I went to Goodreads and there are so many mm. reviews and that people said that they didn't connect with her and they would have preferred to read this in print. Hmm. I actually can't imagine not hearing her tell the story yeah. over an audio, but I do get the point of there's a lot of highlight worthy Got quotes. it. Mm-hmm. So I, I can totally see having that in print, but I really, really enjoyed the audio. I wonder if it was sometimes readers want to see themselves in the story and they're, if they don't, or if the character is unlikable, if it's a woman, especially, especially if it's a black woman, I can see some readers being like, I didn't like this. I didn't connect. She's unlikable. Well, they wanted more from the story too. Some, mm. of, some of the reviews said they wanted it fleshed out more, but I think the point of the story mm-hmm. was not, it was, Right it was a, there. It was a there choice. There was no need to flesh it out. We knew what she was struggling with, mm-hmm. and we knew her thoughts, and Ooh, we just we I'm knew. I'm curious. All of it. Yeah, I'm ready. <laughs> I'm good. I'm I'm listening to that for sure. Okay. All right. Good. All right. What's next for you? All right. What is next for me? It is a recommendation for a book club that might be interested in something that's a little slower paced, a little reflective, and very literary. This is another one that has been on my list forever, and it's Never Let Me Go by Kazuo Ishiguro. I didn't know you were reading I know, because I didn't tell you. Oh, I my to gosh. I, you. This has been on my TBR forever, too. Yeah. Yes. It, this, uh, okay. So okay. this is a book that won a lot of awards, and the author himself is Japanese but grew up in Britain. So it is set in England in the late 1990s. And I think if you pick this for book club, you should encourage your members not to read too much into the synopsis because, honestly, the synopsis didn't do much for me. It wasn't like making me want to race to get to it. It sounds like it's going to take a lot on, and it definitely does that. But the author takes his time getting you there. You're firmly into it. You're really invested in the story pretty much from the beginning. And honestly, I knew nothing about this, only that people seem to really like it. Mm -hmm. And that it was set in this boarding school setting. So here is your recommendation for fall. If you like those boarding school settings, this can be a good one for you. From the beginning, you meet Kathy, who's reflecting back on her time as a student at Halesim. She recalls her friendship with Tommy, an emotional boy who is a bit of an outsider, and Ruth, a horse-loving girl who is not afraid to be the leader and to question things. And from the jump, you know something is amiss. Kathy is taking care of Ruth, and they don't seem to be elderly. So we're wondering why in present day she's with Ruth and what has happened. The whole time, there is something that's just slightly off, and you slowly begin to understand that this isn't your typical boarding school. The children are encouraged to create art, but they don't seem to be taught much else. They don't seem to know much about the world that's going on with them, and you can't really tell why if that is coming later or if that's a choice. And because these children have such limited information, they're forced to come up with their own theories to fill in the blanks. The book is told in three parts. We get to hear about their time in the school and then about what comes after. 
This book does take on a lot. It's literary. There's a mystery. And it feels a little bit dystopian and sci-fi to a point. The ending had me very reflective, and I immediately wanted to discuss it with somebody. I'm trying to be intentionally vague because this is more of a feelings book. I got very invested in the characters. It's definitely character-driven, so it's not going to be this propulsive plot. But Mm -hmm. it made me feel very thoughtful. There's themes of friendship, morality, love, coming of age, and humanity. And it's a book I'm really, really glad that I can check off my have-been-meaning-to-read list. This is Never Let Me Go by Kazuro Ishiguro. That's it. That's all I'm going to give you because I don't think you need much more. If you want something literary with fall vibes that's a little bit unsettling that gives Mm -hmm. you a lot to talk about, this is your pick. Okay. Well, you... I have always wondered about this book. Mm-hmm. I have seen it on best of lists. I've seen it at bookstores, on all-time favorites. I don't know why I haven't picked it up. And I actually I don't know anything about it actually mm-hmm. other than mainly right. what you just told Isn't me. Isn't that funny? Same thing. I had it on my list and I know I knew nothing about it. I think you would definitely want to get the audio, which I did. It's a British narration, and that definitely <gasps> yes. helped me through. But it's it's quiet. It's I'm not sure. I, I would love to know what you thought if this okay. is something in your wheelhouse, because I think it would help me understand your taste more. But this Ooh, was definitely okay. a, a Tina book. Okay, definitely. Yeah, I so glad you read that. And yeah, I surprised you. That <laughs> and I, you totally surprised me. I actually thought about that. Did you? For, I was for this. Well, for this episode. Remember when I asked you, tell me the year yours was published? And you're like, uh-huh. oh, whatever year, it wasn't mine. So I was making sure you didn't pick this one. That, yeah, it did cross my mind, but um, I ended up finding another one. So that is definitely going on my fall list. All right. Tell me what's next. All right. My next one is a memoir, which you have read. I peeked on your Goodreads. I did. Yes. And this was recommended by one of our patrons. Mm-hmm. And it is What Remains by Oh, no. I love this book so much. (laughs) Oh, my gosh, Tina. I just read this yesterday. Oh, my God. This book is so good. And I, oh, I'm so mad you scooped me. Tell me about it. Tell me, tell me. Carol Redswill. Carol Redswill. Yes. Redswill. Okay. Mm -hmm. Let me say who, uh, Brie, who just joined our Patreon, Mm -hmm. is who put this down as her favorite book. Because we ask that, what's your favorite book question? And some answer and some say they can't. They have no, like. But anyway, this was her favorite book. But she she didn't just list it. She said, this book left me ugly crying on my couch. And I was like, what? I'm going to need to read that. (laughs) And I I have time. I I looked it up. It's short. It's 260 pages. Mm -hmm. I got the audio immediately. I listened to it. When I was cleaning and doing yard work all day yesterday. Oh, my God. Okay. Well, you know what? Okay. Here's what it's uh, it's about. It's a memoir about her story about um, on a clear summer night in July of 1999, a small plane plunged into the Atlantic Ocean carrying John F. Kennedy Jr., his wife, Carolyn, and her sister, Lauren. Three weeks later, John's cousin, Anthony, who was Carol's husband, died of cancer. In this moving and candid memoir... She tells her story and she does. And oh my. And I remember where I was on the morning of that, of 1999, that July morning. 
I had just gotten back from the store and turned on the news and saw this crash mm-hmm. or that they were. And, oh my gosh, her writing. So she tells the story, but she starts with the end. Mm-hmm. And I thought, oh my gosh, there's no way I'm going to get through this because her writing was so good. Mm-hmm. And I will tell you, it is sad. It, it starts off very, very sad. And it brings up immediately the questions about, like she says, I have been told I have been fortunate, but listen to my story and then see if that applies, which is kind of true. And also she immediately brings up the the question of fate. And that is my big question for this as a dark book club selection. Do we believe in fate? Like if you have a book club, present this question, Mm -hmm. do you believe in fate? And that can open up so much conversation. And it always gets me thinking. And I thought about this, listening to this story. And so she also talks about what led up to it, what led and the actual incident, the actual day of. And if you remember the three minutes, and she talks about how three minutes is all the time it took to change all of their lives. Mm -hmm. And then I kept thinking about that. And Three minutes, 180 seconds. Mm-hmm. That's it. That's it. And how, and so we could, you think about that, like you could walk out of your house and life will never be the same. Mm-hmm. And how we sometimes think it's going to be the big, grand, or, you know, larger than life moments that change the course of your life. But that is not what happened for her. And that is not what often happens. It could mm-hmm. be the small, just the sm- like you just didn't walk, you know, you walked this way and you could have yeah. walked the other way. And that immediately makes me think of 9-11, which is the an- the anniversary we're coming up on and at the time of this recording. And it's the same thing, fate, mm-hmm. right? So as far as this book goes, she does then starts off with those heavy themes, but then goes back. And I was just mesmerized by hearing the story of how she met Anthony, how the, the friendship between her and Carolyn, and they were best friends. They were best friends. They were, Mm -hmm. I mean, it made me think about like, I have a, like she talks about their toe rings. (laughs) (laughs) I got a toe ring with my grandma um, when my grandma was 70 and she wanted to get a toe ring. (laughs) I got Aww. one. Like we got toe rings together and I still have mine on and she has passed. But it's there were little parts to the story where I can like immediately connected mm. as something in my own life. And I just the behind the scenes and it wasn't gratuitous. Mm-hmm. This was these were people, yes, celebrities, but these were people living like their life and having fun and eating dinners together and just enjoying life. And mm-hmm. I I don't think I've read a book about the Kennedys in that way until this. Mm-hmm. And you won't be surprised about this, Tina. I had no idea she was a real housewife, of right. course. Yeah, I was going to tell you. I did a little bit of Googling mm-hmm. after and I was like, because I thought she was, I know she's a journalist, right. obviously. she tell, And you can tell by her writing. Her mm-hmm. writing is so good. Yeah. So I thought, oh, She's probably went on to be a right. She, I had no idea she was a Real Housewife. Mm-hmm. Did can, you watch the New York uh, with her on it? Absolutely, I love Real Housewives okay. of New York. She's probably one of my favorite housewives, and I'm like gonna cry. I don't even know if I can tell you this part because in the show, 
you know who she is. I read the book after I had been introduced to her on The Real Housewives. And I get so annoyed with this book because I think people like write it off like, oh, she's a real housewife. And I'm like, these women have depth. They're, they make incorrect assumptions. This book is fantastic. Very it well is, written. But yes. on the show, she goes to collect his ashes at one point. And uh-huh. I just will never forget the scene. Carol's like on this bed with headphones on weeping, holding this urn with her husband in it. And mind you, this is 20 years later. Mm-hmm. And I just think, I can't even finish the sentence. Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> if something happened, like mm-hmm. you talk about like 30 seconds, like that's the thing. Okay, it's this is officially a dark pit, a dark book club pick because you will cry. You will, you will cry. Cr- no matter what you want to talk, no matter what you pick to talk about with this book, you will cry. It just really makes me like happy to be alive and happy to like be with my partner and like you know, mm-hmm. and he's gonna edit this podcast, so <laughs> he's gonna laugh at me. But yeah, this book is a great pick. Yes, it. Wow, I mean. And I thought I was going to scoop you, and then I, <laughs> I saw. But but had I known it was she was a real housewife, I would have assumed you would have read it. The thing that gets me is it's years and years and years later, and she's still not married. I don't know if she wants to be married. She's had relationships and things like that. But you just think, what happens if your partner is taken from you way too soon? How, mm-hmm. That's your person, and like you mm-hmm. can see very clearly on the show, she still loves him, of course. These mm-hmm. were her best friends. Like, this was her life. And she, they were not married very long, as I recall. No. They didn't no. get very much time together. So maybe, f- I think five years. Yeah. Not very were, long. I think they married in, nine, yeah, 94. And then, yeah. And she was so like this years. journalist, like traveling and like doing all of this cool mm-hmm. stuff. And I think that's how they met. Anyway, obviously, yes. I love this book. Hey, how about this, Renee? I'll give it five stars for you. <laughs> yes. Thank you. This was an easy five stars for me. And wow. And I have already messaged Brie and just said, thank you. I'm thank you for not only giving an extra sentence because, but this was never on my radar ever, ever. And that is what I love about us creating our own little book community here and people sharing their books because I'm never going to forget this book and this story now. Never. Obviously, I read it, I don't know, five, six years ago, and it still makes me cry. So that should tell you something. (laughs) Yeah. And just in case you forgot, it's what remains. (laughs) By Carol Redswell. Oh, my gosh. This book. I'm so glad you brought it. That was going to be one of my picks for Under the Radar. But I'm so glad that you brought it to the show. Yes. Okay. God, what a nerd. Moving on. Oh, my God. Hold on. Let me get my fan out. I need a a moment. (laughs) Hey, I mean... Do you know the the power of a book? If just talking about the book, oh my gosh, it can move you like that. Yeah, I mean, I'm going to continue googling, but I want to talk about this even more. What's that? I want to talk about this book oh. more. Mm-hmm. Like behind, we can talk behind the scenes. But I just, I mean, I just finished it yesterday afternoon. <laughs> oh, so good! I want to reread it. I might try. Wait, did you listen or did you? I listened to it. Yeah, she narrates. She it. doesn't. Mm-hmm. I'm pretty sure that was her. No, I just say, like, how could you possibly tell this story? Oh, yeah. Oh, my goodness. Okay. Back yeah. in the moment. Woo, woo, woo. Okay. All right. All right. Next book for me. Uh, all right. So this is the darkest of the dark. It is The First Day of Spring by Nancy oh, Tucker. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And I would say go for this if your book club doesn't mind a dark and disturbing story. It is dark. It is complicated, but... 
That is so often the case for so many of my favorite stories, so I really wanted to bring this. It is set in Scotland, partially in the present day, and then there's a bit of a flashback about 20 years prior, and it opens with Chrissy. Chrissy is an eight-year-old girl that is severely neglected at home. Her mother keeps trying to give her away. She doesn't feed her, and her father is barely there, and when he is there, he gives her nothing but empty promises. So she's a fierce little kid who bosses around the other kids in the neighborhood, especially her best friend, Linda. And you hear a little bit about Chrissy from inside of her mind, and we come to understand that she only does this because it makes her feel alive. It gives her a little bit of power, especially when she has no power in her home. She takes things too far, and she ends up strangling a boy. And it's dark. There's no way to read this and not feel upset. But then, here is what I appreciate it. Then you get the story 20 years later, where Chrissy, who is now called Julia, has a daughter of her own, and she is terrified. She is afraid that the state will come and take her away, and it really made me question so many things. The chapter alternates between the child and adult perspectives, and the tensions are building in both timelines as the police get closer to Chrissy when she's a kid, because they're investigating this murder. They're trying to figure out who strangled this little boy. And then you see adult Chrissy kind of getting pulled back to this past, even though it was 20 years ago. It really gave me pause about the U.S.'s obsession with true crime. And it made me think about if someone really did these unspeakable things as a child, can we give them the benefit of the doubt? Should we look at the systems that were in place that led them toward that? If they serve their sentence, do they deserve this new look on life? The book itself is a slow burn, and it's a little meandering. I know Renee listened to this, and the audio was kind of hard to follow, as I understand. Mm -hmm. Right. So I would recommend print for this, but it sparked so many questions for me, and it definitely would make for a great discussion. I loved hearing Chrissy reflect on motherhood, and it was such a juxtaposition to whom she was as a kid. You almost don't realize at first that it's the same person. And speaking of when she was a kid, she has these funny observations, and her life was horrible. You can't help but feel for her and what she went through and the embarrassment, and you're pissed off because her parents are so terrible. But then the kid, she really does some bad things. And Mm -hmm. as bad as Chrissy was as a kid, her mom was even worse. And I did find myself rooting for her as an adult because she seems changed. But then in the same breath, I was questioning myself like, hey, (laughs) don't forget what she did. So this is about guilt, responsibility, and redemption, and it's a really dark story that I'm likely to remember for a while. This is The First Day of Spring by Nancy Tucker. Yeah, I am. You, Every question you just presented is such a good potential book club question. Mm-hmm. Oh, this book um, was so, I mean, I went and DM'd some other reader friends on Instagram because I'm like, did you finish this? Like, help me. <laughs> like, what happened? You know, like, what did you think? So I think we had a little tiny, uh, almost buddy read with this one, but. Right, right. Yeah. And I did not have a print copy of it. I wanted to switch at the time mm-hmm. it came out. I wanted to switch to print because I was having a hard time sitting in Chrissy's space. Yes. On uh, oh. hearing her mm-hmm. talk. Really, I, I just ended up I couldn't do it. Yeah. it I don't know. It, it's which not. Is un, it's kind of unusual for me, but 
I don't, it was the way it was narrated. It was so immediate. She was so disturbed. She's disturbed. It's I, had, very, I, I just couldn't do it. I, yeah. Mm-hmm. And there's nothing wrong with that. Mm-hmm. I feel like a bit of a ghoul even recommending it, but I really love the think pieces that it left well, me with what, those questions. And now that I'm listening to what you had to say about it, I wish I would have, you know, waited for a little bit and went back and, and got the print. But because those are all things mm-hmm. I like to oh. kind of ponder on as far yeah. as the justice system mm-hmm. and true crime. And you're right. America is completely obsessed mm-hmm. with true crime. The, so I can see that that this book could be a good discussion point mm-hmm. for all of that. But I think you're exactly right. I think it, it should be a print book versus yeah. an audio book. Yep. Absolutely agree. <laughs> okay, good. Do you have one more? I have one more. But is this the one I've been waiting for? This is the one I've been waiting to tell you. And I, okay, I'm ready. All right. My last book is These Women by Ivy Pachoda. I don't you- know this book. No. <gasps> Yay. All right. <laughs> I was hoping. I, I didn't see that you had it. I know you haven't read it. So I wondered if you had heard about it. I don't it. think so. Okay. This is gritty, dark, literary crime fiction, but a literary serial killer thriller. Okay. Hello. Okay. Now, you must, as soon as we are done with this episode, you must bring up the audio sample. Mm-hmm. Oh, yes. And listen to the beginning. Okay. It's three minutes. Okay. And tell me, and listeners, do maybe do the same if you feel like it. Tell me if you're not pulled in. Bonnie Turpin. Mm-hmm. Okay. I'm in. I say more. (laughs) Right. She starts off this story. It's narrated by her and Frankie Corzo, alternating, but Bonnie starts it off. This is Oscar winning narration. I am not exaggerating. Um, The story is is set in South Los Angeles and in West Adams. It's a rapidly changing part of Los Angeles. And it is a story about these women. These women on the corner, these women in the club, these women who won't stop asking questions, these women who got what they deserved. This is a story about five different women who are all connected by one man and his deadly obsession, though they don't all know that yet. There's Dorian, who is adrift after her daughter's murder remains unsolved, Juliana, a young dancer nicknamed Juju B, who lives hard and fast, resisting anyone trying to slow her down. Essie, a vice cop who sees a crime pattern emerging where no one else does. Morella, a daring performance artist whose work has long pushed boundaries, but now puts her in peril. And Anique, a quiet woman who has turned a willfully blind eye to those around her for far too long. The careful existence they have built for themselves starts to crumble when two murders rock their neighborhood. Oh, this book was so good. I mean, amazingly good. Now, this is gritty, very gritty. There, the narration alternates between characters and she manages to layer to keep the tension high, but layer in these character studies. Mm, I love it. It's very literary. Her writing is so good, but also it's 
fast paced. She looks at the question as to whether women who are considered prostitutes, sex workers, strippers, do they get what they deserve? Mm. And because they are putting their bodies out there. Mm. And this book examines the, they, and they are the victims of this possible serial killer. And so that is, that's the underlying question. However, the story doesn't center on him. The story centers on the women. And I love that. I love that too. This is their stories Mm -hmm. and not his story. Um, And it's also loosely based on a real case of a killer known as the Grim Sleeper. Oh. I didn't know, but I found that out. Um, It's atmospheric, tense, powerful, engaging, and you won't forget this story. And you, I know I talk about, obviously I talk about audiobooks a lot, guys, but you've got to try to listen to this. I'm sure it's probably also really good in print, but just give the sample a try and listen to Bonnie Turpin start it out. And one final thing, if you are offended by the F word, this might not be, (laughs) this might not be for you or just know, beware if that's something that you're offended by there. It's gritty language too. Mm -hmm. It's, it's authentic gritty language. And I loved it. That was These Women by Ivy Pachoda. Sounds good. I will get it. Okay. Thank you. Thank you. (laughs) (sighs) All right. Let's do some shelf edition. Sounds good. Okay. My shelf edition is not, well, okay. It's heavy, but for different reasons. Let me tell you about it. My shelf edition is Admissions, a memoir of surviving boarding school by Kendra James. This comes out on January 18th, 2022, and it's said to be a sharp and witty, insightful look at the hallowed world of prep schools. And this is written by the first African-American legacy student to graduate from the Taft School. Now, I know nothing about the Taft School, but I do like fiction that's set in a prep school setting. So I would love to read about somebody's real life experience. And the author currently works as an admissions officer specializing in diversity recruitment for independent prep schools, where she is responsible for persuading students and families to embark on the same journey that she herself has made. And she's trying to get these students to attend the cutthroat and largely white schools similar to the Taft school that she went to, which caused her to want to reflect on her own elite education experience and America's inequitable system. Admissions will resonate with anybody who's ever been the only one in a room, who's dealt with racial microaggressions, or anyone who's even suffered from an extreme case of homesickness. I love memoir. I love working in admissions. So I'm thinking I will really like this. It's Admissions, a memoir of surviving boarding school by Kendra James. And it's out in January, 2022. That sounds right up your alley. Right? I was like, oh, okay. Say no more. And I love the cover. The cover is great. It's like a picture of the school and you can see like, you know, like a school photo and it's all white children and the the one black face in the sea of all these other white kids. So. Oh, that's a, that sounds like a good cover. Okay. My shelf edition is The Vanishing Point by Elizabeth Brundage. It is out now. Oh, okay. I've never yes. heard of this. <laughs> I had neither. I was doing my stroll at Barnes & Noble the other day. Mm. I'm telling you, I always find something new. And this cover caught my eye. It's really good. And then I, I picked it up. And anyway, it's definitely one I want to read. This is a literary thriller, and it's by the author of All Things Cease to Appear, which I have not read. 
but I've heard about. And it's described as eerie, so I thought it would be a good choice for the fall. You have Julian and Rye, and they cross paths as photography students at an exclusive workshop. And they move in together, and they end up having a roommate, Magda. Both men become captivated by her. However, she's a woman neither can possess and only one can love. Fast forward 20 years later, long after their paths diverge, Rai is at the top of his field, famous for his photographies of celebrities, and far removed from the downtrodden and disenfranchised subjects who secured his reputation as the eye of his generation. When Magna re-enters his life, asking for help only he can give, Rai finds himself in a broken landscape of street people and addicts, forcing him to reckon with the artist he once was, until his search for a missing boy becomes his own desperate fight to survive. Months later, Julian discovers Rai's obituary, which that grabbed me, mm-hmm. and the paper makes it sound like a suicide. So Julian attends the funeral, but there is no casket and no body, and he is suddenly reintroduced to Rai's life within his death and begins to investigate a little. So this is described as literary fiction at its finest. And that was The Vanishing Point by Elizabeth Brundage. I love it. And I yeah, want it sounds really good. It sounds really good. I want more female authors of literary fiction in my life. I'm sorry, literary thrillers in my life. Well, I'm putting Ivy Pachoda in your life today. Today. Okay, sounds good. Okay. Woo! Well, that's it for today. We thank you for spending a part of your day with us. Links to all the books mentioned can be found in the show notes. If you enjoyed today's episode, you can help us by following us wherever you listen and by leaving a review on Apple Podcasts. It helps us get our podcast out to new listeners and grows our audience. And don't forget, if you're interested in exclusive bonus content like mini episodes, our newsletter, and a private Facebook group, please consider supporting us for $5 a month on Patreon. Feedback and questions about the show can be sent to booktalketc at gmail.com. You can also connect with us both at booktalketc on Instagram, Tina at TBR, etc., and me, Renee, at It's Book Talk. Talk to you next week. In the meantime, remember, everything's better with books. But so necessarily, literally. I'm going to say that a couple times today. I have it in my notes. Literally. No, I have literary. (laughs) Never mind. Literary. (laughs) (laughs) Uh.